Hello, hello. Right, this is our Inspiring the Next CMO podcast series for Behind the Fluff podcast from the International Bunch. It's specifically for those in marketing, those interested in marketing, those in academic publishing, scholarly comms and libraries. Who are we going to be talking with today? Nathan Faruja. Nathan is an industry CEO, entrepreneur and my business coach and has known me for many, many years back when I used to live in Malta but he won't be telling any of my secrets. Nathan talks with us about working from a rooftop garden in lockdown, being inspired by children and their parents overcoming their challenges, his incredible family and how they inspire him, looking for inspiration in the non-profit sector, having pride in your own achievements, driving forward inclusive employment in Malta, accepting the good and the bad about being in a position of responsibility, The importance of focusing your time to get the most out of it. 27 marathons in 27 consecutive days in 27 European countries. Oh, he did. Marketing is about connecting with people and asking for forgiveness rather than permission. So why don't we just go and jump straight in? Let's go. Okay, welcome everybody to our Behind the Fluff Inspiring the Next CMO podcast series. Now, you can find out lots of great resources to help you raise your game and inspire you at www.internationalbunch.com forward slash be inspired. Now, today I have a real treat for you. I'd like to welcome Nathan Faruja. And Nathan, if you go by his LinkedIn profile, get ready. Entrepreneur, business coach, CEO, author, record-breaking athlete, TEDx speaker, Oh, you might have to help me with how I say this properly, Nathan. Vistage owner, um, NED, philanthropist, husband and father. Now, that's impressive, hey? So Nathan and I, we've known each other for many years. And um, he's also my business coach. Um, So hello, Nathan. Hi. How's things? Good. Now, did I say that correctly? Because I suddenly went, oh. What, Nathan? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Vistage. 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 Well, tomato, tomato. Well, exactly. Except we both speak (laughs) British English, (laughs) but we'll say Maltese English and whatever my whatever I am. Okay. So now, before we start, Nathan, and I did kind of throw Nathan under the bus with this one. I didn't tell him about this one, but um, we have one question for you. Now, something we ask everybody when we do these podcasts is every day on our social media, we send out a word of the day under hashtag Intbunt word of the day. And we would love to know what is your favorite word and why and what's it mean? Mm, OK, yes, you did surprise me with this. Um, you would have expected something a bit more profound. But actually, my word is aubergine. <laughs> and more importantly, the reason behind because it was um, my youngest, my eldest daughter, when she was very, very young, one of her first words. And she just used to make us laugh by saying it. Uh, so, yeah, she That's got uh, entertainment word. out of it. So. That is an impressive <laughs> word for a little girl. Aubergine. I think it, sh- it shaped her uh, choice of uh, lifestyle as well, because she's vegan. She is, yeah. <laughs> I, I hope that she does love aubergine. A nice, a nice char-grilled aubergine as well makes an excellent soup. I'm sure she knows that anyway. Yeah. Um, so, okay, th- first things first, what we want to know is a bit more about you. So what's the best thing you have discovered in this last year? Um, my roof. <laughs> That's true. You do have a pretty awesome roof. We've done a webinar together, haven't we? And you did it on your roof. Yes, and obviously because... I've been stuck inside, but like most of us, I ne- I like to change space. I need newness. And when you can't get it outside, you have to find it somehow inside. So uh, I moved my office to the roof on sunny days like day. And uh, it's really helped me cope with being stuck indoors. Um, but actually, you know, also give me the opportunity to get fresh air and hear birds and, and be outdoors. Now, for those of you that don't know, Nathan's actually in Malta. So a lot of the houses there have flat roofs. And uh, you get a little bit of uh, background noise, though, don't you, which is to be expected. 
Yes, but it's a less sterile environment like that as well, you know, a dog barking or the ambulance going by or whatever, you know. So. Yeah, absolutely. Just shows that people are around, doesn't it? It's life. Mm, exactly. Really. So here's a question. Actually, yeah, who, who does inspire you? I get inspiration from many people. I don't, I don't sort of have a, a list of people that inspire me, but I, I look for inspiration in the way people do things, the way people behave. Obviously, I spend a good amount of time in the charity world, in the nonprofit sector, um, and so watching how people, uh, whether philanthropists or, or actually even you know people who benefit from the charity can be inspiring. You know, the parents of some of the kids uh, that we treat at Inspire with the disability and how they cope with mm -hmm. the difficulties. Uh, all the difficulty that they're facing. Um, I, I am inspired by clients I work with, you know, people like you who decide to quit uh, the day job and, and start a business or, or really push through their vision to make something happen. And, and this is inspiring. So I think there's inspiration all around us if we look for it. Um, the danger is that we don't. We just are self-absorbed and don't perhaps notice the, the goodness in other people and, and look for that inspiration, which is everywhere. So when you were young, what did you want to be? Um, I think when I was young and I sort of started to think about answering that question, it, it's the first thing that came to mind was to become a vet, um, simply because I, I loved animals and um, and I, I, I always had sort of a, a caring sort of approach um, to doing things. Um, and it always stayed that way. In fact, I ended up in the medical profession uh, as eventually as a, as a physiotherapist. So this feeling of sort of fixing things or making things better or making you know, people or animals or, or, or businesses today uh, better is something that's probably deeply ingrained in me. Mm. And of course, if people read your book as well, which um, I hope that Nathan will talk about soon, um, but if people read your book, they'll also find out more about you when you were young, what some of your aspirations were, and also how you how you were challenged with a medical condition and how you've managed to overcome that, which I actually think is incredibly inspirational in itself um, and really, really important. So um, if you were to have dinner tonight with anyone, alive, dead, whoever you want it to be, who would it be? Well, a flippant response would be my kids because they're teens now and all they do is stay in their room or, or if they go out, they go out with friends. Uh, so so it, it would be nice to sit down with, with them and, and, you know, have proper conversation. Now, I, I'm being facetious. That, you know, we do spend time together, but not as much as I would like. And interestingly, because we have been stuck indoors, um, the first opportunity for them to go out, we obviously encourage because we want them to be out and meet friends. Yeah. So we're sort of sacrificing our own family time for them to be outdoors uh, yeah. with, with their friends. Um, and I think, we, you know, we, we spend most of our quality time in travel as a family. And that's where we're sort of, we have, we have to be together <laughs> whether they like it or not. <laughs> um, but we do have good times on, on travel and that's, that's something we miss, obviously. So, yeah, I, I think, yeah, I, I like... I'm not a very social person in the sense that I don't have, you know, wide reaching sort of friendships, etc. I have sort of a few, a handful of good friends and I enjoy company with them. And, and actually, we've been lucky here because um, the, the rules here allow us to have, uh, you know, up to four people um, in, in the house. Um, and there's obviously we've had people over and spending time with them, a close group of people that, that we know we trust because they are not mingling themselves. So, yeah. so it keeps it safe. Yeah, and you know, it's funny, if, if we do this again in a year's time, when hopefully things will be back to normal, I bet some of our conversations will be very different. Oh, do you remember the old days when we used to have to <laughs> limit the number of friends indoors? Yeah, I do see yeah. pictures um, on uh, social media of um, friends in Malta who are out at restaurants, you know, having a meal together and stuff. And I think, oh, those were the days. <laughs> One day. Um, so let's talk about your career. So tell me about your career and how you got to where you are today. Well, like I said earlier, I started off um, sort of being passionate about, um, you know, the sort of the therapeutic and health uh, realm. I was uh, always athletic, having overcome uh, asthma, which I, I, I did condition my, my early years. And 
so therefore, sort of, I gravitated towards the, the health sciences space. Um, obviously, because I was heavily into sports, I felt that you know being a physiotherapist would be useful uh, to, to treat myself and save me a lot of money, but also <laughs> to help my fellow athletes. And uh, and and I was just curious because I you know obviously as a sportsman you are you do end up at the physio more often than not. And it it was yeah. I happened to be in the hands of some good ones, and I thought, well, you know, this is a career I, I could aspire to, uh, which I which I did, and I followed that uh, at uni. Um, but coming out of that, I realized that there was a, a, a sort of a, an entrepreneurial side to, to me that I hadn't known about. And when I started to set up my private practice, uh, and, and actually more than one, I realized that actually there's a, there's a business side to this that I enjoyed. Um, and employing people and building teams um, and working with uh, partnerships and developing you know, projects and programs beyond the actual science of, of therapy. Um, and so I wanted to learn more about this and I went off and did an MBA um, overseas to really sort of enrich my theoretical or academic background. But as well, I chose a university that had a lot of um, experienced CEOs delivering most of the lectures. Mm. And that gave me a sort of a real life understanding of how business works. And, and then I joined the Academy for Chief Executives, which is now Vistage, which also then helped me broaden my perspectives around what business is, how do you find your purpose, what's the best way to do things, how to treat people, um, as well as all the sort of technical side of, you know, finance and marketing and all that. So whilst I needed my fix of sort of being useful and helpful, uh, I was always keen to, to start new things and, and build new businesses, which, which I have also using my sports as a passion and taking on the brand Xterra, uh, organizing all sorts of uh, races, um, Know, sports events, triathlons, uh, marathons, and all of that as well as one of my business. So, so trying to be you know, sort of a match between my, my passion and, and the business side and pulling everything together. So I, I've been really lucky mm. to be able to, to do that. And I've always refused to um, sort of be employed as it were. Although I have, you know, been employed in the sense that I've run organizations as a CEO, it's it's always been on terms that allow me to shape the business and really understand how I can learn from each experience and each time I say yes to a particular role. Um, I've spent 15 years running nonprofit organizations both here and in the UK. Um, I've run technology companies, uh, software companies, I've run health, um, um, hospitality uh, organizations as well as my own and the business coaching now and the training business. So yeah, quite a spread, um, but always in the in the people's business. Although you might say technology isn't really a people's business, we were in the HR space as well. So again, mm -hmm. it was really about providing solutions for, for people to be able to work better. It's a really impressive career. And if someone was to ask me who I take some of my inspiration from, I'd be the same as you in the respect of saying, I take it from you know lots of different people around me. Um, rather than being one person in particular. However, you personally, I do take a huge amount of inspiration from. Um, because I think you're just incredibly impressive and very personable. And I love when you get on stage and you, you start by saying something random to introduce because you make people feel at ease and they immediately know that you get it. And, you know, you're a human talking to humans. You see what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I mean... Um, it's for me, it's, it, you know, the, the relationship side of business is what makes business fun and interesting. Yeah, absolutely. We all need a bit of social time at the moment as well. <laughs> so what have you, from your career then, so what have you been most proud of? I think different, different roles brought a sense of achievement and pride as we're pride in a positive way because office is it's misconstrued as a negative thing but i do feel proud of the work we did as a, with inspire uh, which is Malta's largest non-profit organization that provides um health and education for children with disabilities and we've really made a difference to lives uh and to families um through our therapists and our team so very proud of that and proud of the team because essentially it's you know people are designing the programs people that are you know, working hands-on with very difficult situations, difficult children, um, difficult family situations. And, mm. and that's something that I look back and say, you know, that, that's something I, I really do feel uh, proud uh, of doing because it, it was a very, very difficult 
time to set it up uh, and a struggle to to make it work. Um, very proud of the Spiteria Foundation again, which I set up through the cooperative that I run, which employs people with disabilities. And now we've got over 600 people with intellectual disabilities employed with the Spiteria Foundation. And that's great because we're actually making an impact on uh, the, the uh, inclusive side of employment in Malta. So these are things, but it's easier to say, you know, to feel proud of, of causes like that. Um, but I'm also proud of, you know, setting up our little business, uh, proud of taking, being one of the fastest moving Vistage um, uh, countries from a growth perspective. Yeah. Despite our tiny size, um, proud of the team we've got. But then there's other personal side, you know, proud of being a dad and proud of, um, you know, being a, a husband and, you know, after many years, when I look around and see that a lot of my friends no longer are uh, are together, and we we've stuck it through, and we're we're doing well. So you know, there's lots of things to be to be proud of, and I'm actually proud to to be sought after as someone who can give advice and can be helpful. You know, so when you know when people like you call me and say, "Can you give me a hand?" For me, that's a sense of pride. It means that I must have done something right if people are asking for <laughs> for my advice. <laughs> it's my ass. That's what you do. No, and, and what you do that's really valuable for me is you make you make me take time to think about something, but you also ask me things in a way that I, I really have to take stock and think differently and think, oh, or you correct me because I'll say something that habitually I'll normally say, maybe it's a word challenge or something like that. And then you'll, you'll talk to me about what that word actually means. And then I'm like, oh, wow. And it's like a light bulb, bing. And then I'll mm. stop doing it. Even though challenge does creep in every now and again, no, it's because uh, it's habit, but yeah. Yes. Well, the habits are what, what shape us and what what condition our behavior. So if we can unravel those and untie the ones that hold us down, then, then we're much freer to be able to live our best lives, I guess. Absolutely. And I think when someone reads your book, for example, or if they know you, what, what um, is impressive about you amongst a number of things is how the fact that you rose up the ladder very quickly at a very young age. Now I think you became you became senior management when you were about 25. Did you become a CEO when you were 25? Is that right? Yes. Yeah. And I think that was that's a really interesting part of your book. Not that I'm promoting your book. It's just I'm using it as a reference. But I mean, you know, I can promote your book. Um, but it was just really interesting when you talked about that and how you were thought of as being a CEO at that age. And I think a lot of people take a lot of inspiration from that. I mean, you know, if I think back, I probably was a, a cocky, you know, executive trying to show off, you know, as, as most 25 year olds would be. Um, but I always took responsibility. So whilst now I'm much more mellow and seek the limelight much less. When you're pushed in front of uh, to be the face of a, a, a big organization um you need to make sure that you are stay grounded uh, and having a coach at the time really did help me as well as a, a board of trustees that were you know excellent at, at what they did so it's, it's also having the right people around you to support you um and and help you and help guide you when you veer off track absolutely that's what you're there for me um so what now this is so uh, yeah, I feel like I need to change this. What have you found most challenging in your career? Uh, well, clearly, um, letting people go. That's that's probably the toughest um, experience in work yeah. that, that I can, can recount, um, even those that deserve to go, frankly, because we have, um, we're, we're often in situations that are driven by guilt. You know, could I have done better? Could I have done things differently? Is this person the way they are because I did something wrong in my leadership style uh, or, or the way I set the organization up? Mm -hmm. um, worse than that is situations like, you know, during COVID to have to uh, reduce headcount, for example, which is extremely yeah. torturous for a, for a leader to, to have to shoulder. Um, but actually you just need to remember, you know, as the Bhagavad Gita tells us that you, you just need to remember that you have you have a duty, you know, and when you when you say yes to the CEO role, you're saying yes to the good and the bad. Um, and we have to carry that uh, that that responsibility with us. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's 
difficult and it's kept me up at night. Um, but at the end of the day, nowadays I realize that uh, I have more confidence to know that if I'm making a decision, I'm, I've built it on enough facts and enough insights, um, as well as other people's views and objectives to make sure it's an objective and then you have to live with it. Yeah. Well, I think Nathan, you kind of hit that nail on the head though, didn't you? Because when you said you feel the guilt, the reason that you feel guilt is because you care and because you're, you've got empathy. So if you didn't feel guilt and you didn't care, that would be a completely different experience for those people on the other end of it. And yes. probably an awful experience. So, you know, a lot can be said for that. And I think if you do it well, I, I mean, I've got people that I have let go of, you know, with, with grown-up conversations at the time who obviously didn't like me very much for it, uh, who today are our friends. And they realized that it wasn't about me or them or the organization. It's just a, a dynamic or a fit that was off. Yeah. Um, in fact, for two of them, it was time for them to grow. So they needed to leave to, to move into bigger shoes. Yeah. But it still feels uncomfortable for them to be pushed. Yeah. Absolutely. It, it is, I think a lot of people will say that, that having responsibilities for people management is very tough, especially when you have to deal with some particularly tricky situations or your organization has a restructure and you're just dealing with things from above and you may not agree with the decisions, but you have to make them, which is very hard. Uh, yes and no, I think you have to practice integrity if you disagree with a decision you need to be able to challenge it to the full and if you really feel it goes against your values and beliefs then you should not act on it um mm. i i will never go against my values and beliefs because a shareholder suggested yeah um i i think the most important thing for me is intent you know what's your intention if your intention is positive even if you get it wrong even if you screw it up yeah. um if your intention is right then you then it's redeemable then you can fix it you can apologize you can try a different way uh, if your intention is wrong, then then it's it's a non-starter. Yeah, no, absolutely. Some excellent advice and takeaways in there. Thank you, Nathan. So, um, what's your ultimate career goal? Are you there? <laughs> no. Uh, well, yes, yes, and no. I don't. I've, we've had this conversation before. I don't. I don't look at goals as um, endpoints. Yeah. Um, so I've never sort of said, oh, I want to have this much money or have this title or maybe as a younger person, but not anymore. Yeah. I, I look more around the the journey, the enjoyment of, of being what I'm doing. So I, I really enjoy being a coach. And even though I own the business, I will still continue to coach yeah. a number of clients because I really being enjoy being in the room and, and doing that. Um, whether it's a small outfit or a multi-million euro outfit, it, doesn't really make a difference. I still enjoy doing that. Um, and so my sort of career goal essentially is to be able to continue to add value. And sometimes it's within my own business. Sometimes it's helping other people. Um, sometimes I'll step into an interim CEO role to help someone transform or pivot. Yeah. Sometimes I'm feeling that I'm actually getting up in the morning and looking forward to work and saying, this is, this is going to be a good day. Um, and looking back at, back at the day and saying, yeah, it was tough, it was hard, but it was it was um, making a difference, as it were, you know, then yeah. then it's a good day. So I don't have this sort of, you know, I want to retire at this age or, or buy a boat and go sail around the world or, or whatever. I'd like to be able to say today I don't want to work because it's nice out there and I want to go out for a bike ride. Um, <laughs> and that is sort of that is a condition I set myself that I don't want to be tied to my desk or tied to to my clients um but yeah I, I think a balance is, is good I have a good balance there's days when I work 14 15 hours because I have to and there's days when I don't it reminds me of the best piece of advice that you've given me once and that was um the about work-life balance and the, and funny enough I was talking to someone about this in um podcast recording that I did um just last week and it's not the fact that it's about you prioritizing your time in a sense of work-life balance it's about the value that you put into that time and so for example I give the example and it's probably the same one that you gave to me but me using it in from my side is that the time that I spend with my daughter if I spend an hour with her 
concentrated, just her and me, all the other distractions gone, she'll get so much more value out of that concentrated time with me than she would do by sitting with me for half a day here in the office, I'm working, she's on a tablet, watching TV, whatever, and I've just got her there. And it's the value that people take from that time rather than yeah. the amount of time. You're absolutely 100% right. And that's why I answered earlier when you said, who would you like to have dinner with? And I said, my yeah. kids. Yeah. Exactly the same reason, you know, yeah. and it's 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 about having the time distraction free, very importantly, to say, I am now with this person or these people, I'm really enjoying the moment. Yeah. And sometimes that time is on my own. I, I like to be on my own um, because it allows me to reflect or listen to an audiobook or learn or, or, or whatever, you know, um, you need to make the time and it's what you do with it. Absolutely. Someone told me about a podcast last week called, I haven't checked it out yet, but Alonement, which is apparently about spending time with yourself and, mm. you know, taking that time to reflect. And I think, especially in this last situation that we've been in, I know last year I lost myself because I prioritised everything else on just getting through four months of lockdown, of being stuck here. Um at the sacrifice of myself and I mentally just I don't you know don't even know who that person was but um yeah so that was really significant for me I think it's moving towards you know we talk about sort of work life as a balance which means that they're both they're opposite side of the coin and I I disagree you know I think you have one life and it's it's all contained within it um but by sort of it's good to explain it as a balance because when you talk about compromise um you know, people assume that that's sort of some sort of balance, but the compromise is a, is, is a lose-lose. Yeah. And, and we need to find ways to get the win-wins, which isn't compromise, it's, yeah. it's maximize. And it's what you weight things at, isn't it, really? Rather than mm. saying they're equal, because they're not. So a balance can still work. And I think, I heard this the other day, but actually I decided I'm no longer going to use the word journey, or I'm going to consciously try and decouple myself from using the word <laughs> journey and I'm going to say the word adventure because actually life is an adventure of ups and downs but I think that's quite a, a much more quite fun word makes me feel like yeah I can do this mm. yes absolutely and it's it sounds more interesting it does <laughs> it does so if you weren't doing your role now and money was no object what would you be doing? I mean, on your bike all the time, with your kids, with, you know, your family? I think I would be trying to fit it all in as well. And, and I'd probably still gravitate towards giving, giving advice and doing some coaching, obviously free of charge if I didn't need the money, um, as well as the charity work. So I really am blessed to be able to say that I wouldn't change much. Um, I do have certain stresses related to, you know, administration and paying bills and yeah. you know, bank, banking requirements and all that sort of tedious stuff um, with respect to the bankers watching. Um, but, <laughs> but, uh, but you know, I, I do. I, I, I still do my exercise and I train and I travel and I travel for sports as well as for holidays. Um, yeah, I'd like my kids to be a little bit more into it. If, if we're away and we say, let's go for a trek or a bike ride, they say, you know, let's go shopping or, you know. Uh, but I guess as long as... Uh, everybody gets their bit then it's a good holiday exactly as long as you've got the balance <laughs> the balance um so which and now of course i've mentioned your book a million steps it's the first time i've actually mentioned the name of it but um which because that's one of my inspiring books. So with this question, which inspiring three professional books would you say are a must read and why? Um, I think it really depends on what stage of life in business you are. So if I think about books that I, I really found very useful as I was sort of growing up, as it were, you know, as we said, I was a CEO at a young age, it was the likes of Covey's Seven Habits, uh, and really trying to be a role model and trying to make sure that you are doing the right thing. Um, mm -hmm. So I think that's that's probably one that, that rings true to me as something I've read, you know, a book I've read more than once. Um, whereas if I had to bring it to today, um, I would say Miracle of Mindfulness by Tich Hatnan. It's probably uh, much more important and valid to me in remembering to be in the moment and remembering why I'm doing something and remembering to focus 
and pay attention uh, when I'm doing what I'm doing to give to give it my best um, rather than sort of try and spin plates and and juggle all the time. Um, so I think those are sort of extreme uh, sides of things. You know, the 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 self awareness part and the leadership part in the beginning on being you know a, a true to yourself as a leader and developing that leadership skill, and then at the same time you know being being more centered and more balanced and more using your intuition more effectively. So I think those two are are, are useful. Um, on my right, I've got bookshelves. I, I, I can imagine hundreds of books, which which I recommend, and I you know I love. There's, there's always it's, sometimes it's just one one nugget of information and in just in one book on one page, and that's enough to say that's a really good book. Um, What's that book called that you uh, um, you you've mentioned it to me before? Um, I think it was on when you were um, had a picture of your book on a bookshelf in a store. You had uh, yes. um, I think who moved my cheese? Yeah, that's so right. I, I read that. Well, I, I listened to it on audible because I'm an audible listener. And uh, that was really good. Uh -huh. Yeah, and I, I love the, the neuroscience stuff, you know, um, uh, the, uh, the stuff around sort of how we're wired and how that affects our behavior, our patterns, our habits, you know, Charles Dulek uh, on habits, um, conversation intelligence, Judith Gazer, you know, these are all very, very interesting people that have taken brain science and applied it to business. And I, I find it fascinating. You know, they started off with being researchers or, or neuroscientists, and and they realized that economics has so much of an effect. Yeah. Uh, psychology and 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 neuroscience have so so much of an effect on economics um, yeah. that we need to pay attention to it. And obviously, Daniel Kahneman's book Thinking Fast and Slow is an excellent read. It's meaty. It's it's you know you need to pay attention, um, but it's it's an amazing book. And you know, there's there's lots and lots of books that. Um, really help us see different perspectives of, uh, of, of the world and, and, and business in the example of a business book. And even with mine, I really sort of talked about personal stories, but I still wanted to translate to, um, you know, the young executive who is maybe confused around whether they want to start their own business or, or move up the ladder in an organization and how to make those choices and how to act uh, effectively and, and, and be useful and, and make a difference. So it, it comes together. Absolutely, absolutely. And when you start your own business, you have to wear a lot of hats, don't you? Mm. <laughs> your HR, your accounts, your finance, your legal, your sales, marketing. I mean, it just goes on. <laughs> I've learned yes, a lot. Yes, but again, I, I think, yeah, absolutely. Baptism of fire, when you start your own business, then you have to do it all. Um, if you've been in organizations before, that helps because you have a bit of an insight from other people that you've worked with on how things go. Yeah. Um, but but starting afresh or starting from scratch is, is tough. You know, and what? that's why entrepreneurship isn't for everybody. No, but you do really appreciate all the different roles and all the different people and what exactly they've got to do because you have a snippet of experience in that area to say, yeah, that is that's not easy. That's not an easy mm. thing to ask someone to do. That's not going to take them half an hour. That's going to take them half a day. It's going to take them a couple of days. Yes, or the other way around, you could try and do it yourself and then you ask for help and, and you've been struggling for half a day and they do it in five minutes and you go, well, I should have asked earlier. <laughs> exactly. Mind you, I really like it when organisations, when the, the top boss organisations like the MD or CEO um, will say once a month, spend a day or half a day on uh, customer services so that they're hmm. still aware of what's coming in and this is generally tends to be with um you know companies that are getting a lot in on the customer service side but it, it tends to keep them grounded i think that's quite i don't Absolutely. hear about since i've hmm, since i've been ceo i do a day a day in the life at least once a month with one of my employees see i i've so I'll go four on. of us so <laughs> i've kind of done everything that they've done i'm like oh. <laughs> yeah but it could be extended to your partners or your clients you know spend a day in their business and see how, how they work or your supply chain that's, that's you know yeah absolutely so a lot of my clients are people i used to work for <laughs> oh yeah but no i think that makes excellent sense especially in the supply chain it's also useful because you learn inside information yeah. on how things work 
And if you were wanted to be cynical, you'd also stop them from trying to pull wool, wool over your eyes because you know how the, their job actually works. You know, so yeah. when they say to you, "Oh, you know how tough my job is," I go, "Yes, I know. I yeah. was there for a day. <laughs> I did it for a week. That was enough. I know how tough it is." <laughs> um. So, what's your most favorite? And if you want to have more than one, is absolutely fine. But what's your most favorite book or podcast or blog? Um, like I said, it it really depends on, on my mood and what what I'm reading about. Uh, I I did listen to podcasts quite a bit. Um, it was a phase, but I prefer I prefer books. And like like you, I listen to my audiobooks while I'm running. So that's the only time I'm doing two things at once. Um, I'm just I'm just fascinated by new ideas. Yeah, you know. Uh, um, and but also the the tone makes a difference as well so i, I picked up a book recently I, I i very rarely have not finished a book even if it's tiring or tedious i will still plow through just to say i finished it. but there was one book recently i i just i just couldn't read beyond the third chapter because they were all the author did was brag how great they were mm. and it just put me off so so it, you know it, it's for me it's about learning something new i i love there's a book called the patterning instinct which was a real eye-opener i think i read it about two years ago and talks about human beings evolution of language and how the language we use shapes the way that we behave and how we think the example you gave of course you choosing to causing choosing to call something a challenge versus a problem just yeah. shifts your mind uh, so yeah stuff like that i love um then if the personal development stuff also i i, I spent a lot of time you know when i started doing triathlons and, and ultra distance learning about the mind over matter and how the how the body works and how physiology works and how you can do amazing things with this body of ours that typically most people don't appreciate that pretty much anybody can do yeah and um, we have this idea that to run a marathon you have to be super fit um which is absolutely rubbish um so you know really understanding that that stuff was was fascinating as well as um a book by mike stroud who partnered with Ronald Faines when they ran across the uh, the Antarctic and they did the seven marathons in seven continents. And Mike's book, Survival of the Fittest, is uh, uh, really interesting because he talks about his own personal experience as a guinea pig to some of the stuff that Ranulf was taking him on. Um, and I relate to that a lot because a lot of the stuff I've learned was just you know going out there and seeing if I could do it and then see what yeah. happens. Yeah, says the man who ran... 27 marathons and 27 consecutive days in 27 countries. Not that you want to be defined as that, but that is very impressive. <laughs> as we said, for someone that's training for a marathon now, I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> how did he do this? How did he become an ultra athlete? Oh my God. <laughs> it's impressive. Uh, yeah, I know. Thank you. I'm, it, it, it was. I mean, it was a physical feat, but it was also a mental feat and, and a logistical one as well to get to the 27 countries in, in 24 yeah. hours. I mean, I don't but, know how you did some of that. Amazing. Yeah. But actually, when you come come back to, you know, books like Tales of Endurance, which is a, a fascinating book about how um, the uh, early adventurers discovered the Bering Straits or crossed the, the, the Antarctic or sailed across, you know, like Columbus, yeah. Uh, across the Atlantic and, and discovered Australia Cook. You know, the, the, these these stories you, you read and you go, wow, you know, walking for three months with, yes. you know, 100 grams equivalent of food yeah. a day. Uh, it's insane, the stuff they did. And, you know, it, it pales, you know, we, some of the stuff I, I do and, and, and other people of sort of our level who are respected pay into the insignificance compared to what these guys were, were up to. Shackleton and, and Amundsen, I mean, insane. It, it's quite amazing that not having the same technology, not having the same footwear, not having the same health and the science there, et cetera, et cetera, that, that they managed to do that. But I think also that's why there were so few people that, that could do something like that because that was so extreme. But yeah, it's, it's absolutely impressive and incredible what... Mm people have achieved over the years. And it does really demonstrate, like you said, what our bodies can actually do. Uh, and I think it's fundamental to 
human beings as as you know being the species that that has taken over the planet yeah. our sense of exploration our curiosity um the sort of will to pursue despite pain and discomfort is, is something quite quite unique to us as a species and i'm fascinated by why people put themselves through such discomfort and pain just to achieve a purpose that they dreamt about yeah. you know mallory is saying you know why did you climb everest when asked he said because it's there you know someone's got to do it and yeah. you know i'm curious to try uh and as cliche as that is i think it's a really good answer <laughs> yeah but it's also personal achievement and it's what's important to you isn't it and i think that's you know it very much does come from that personal sense for someone because mm. what might be you know a big achievement for me for example um may be a small achievement for you so it's it's doing what's right for you and that's personal to you yes but i think actually the most powerful <laughs> i think therapy session but i think i think i think the most powerful however the most powerful motivators are the ones when we do it for others mm -hmm. oh yeah you know, when you see people running the london marathon with t-shirts you know um uh you know reflecting a, a loved one or, or someone yeah. they're trying to raise funds for um you know even these adventurers you know they wanted to they were so patriotic they wanted to put the flag plant the flag yeah. you know of their country of their nation and these were huge driving forces beyond their own ego and and fame and and money um when you do something for others i think it really brings out the true spirit of of human endurance yeah and i i think when you see runners who like with a marathon when they put 26 names on their arm and they have basically named each mile that they're going to run for with a person that gives them that motivation and encouragement to keep going because they know that that is for each one of those people yes. um, and you're right you know when you do do charity events for people or you've got someone specific in mind it does really excel you forward and it gives you that extra drive to just keep going. When that, when your brain is saying, stop, stop, walk. Like, no, I can do this because of so-and-so, yeah. It's so funny when, and again, we talk about the neuroscience of the brain and where our identity lives in our, in our head and how it affects us. And I remember the first time I, I ran a marathon, I ran the London Marathon. And, and uh, I'm running along and I must've been at about 36 or 38K. You know, I could see the Big Ben and eventually the mile. And I was probably hobbling then, you know, and I'm looking down at the floor and I'm, you know, shrugged and stooped and really tired. And, uh, and I hear, go, Nathan, go, Nathan. And I automatically pick up and start running again. And I was like, and then after, after the shock of it, I went, but I'm in London. Nobody knows me here. Who's my name? And I remember that on your actual name uh, number, there's, there's your name. Oh, yeah. It's for a reason. So people are calling out your name and you feel automatically energized and, and you run, you know, you I, ran, I ran the rest of it. And so, and so you say, you know what, actually, physiologically, I could have run it. I was just, my brain had said, I've had enough, but, you know. <laughs> but as much as you, but I guess that says that as much as you need people to help to, as part of, you know, your brain process and to help you to spur on or to help spur you on, um, those people need you as well. Is that the right way that I was going there? Maybe not. I recently learned last week, actually, I, I, um, sometimes I, I go quiet in my brain and, uh, and I'm, and I was thinking, oh, you know, I, I must've, you know, I don't know, must be getting old or something, even though it's been like this for years. And I realized when I was talking to someone that, uh, I'm dyslexic and I had completely put that to the back of my mind and not thought about it for many years. And then now I've realized how that affects me. And now I've got coping mechanisms around it. So if I do randomly just go quiet or my mix my words up the wrong way, it's my dyslexia. And I'm cool with that. Um, I just, you know, ignore it. So um, if you could travel back in a time machine, what would you tell your early career self? Hmm. Um, I would say to them, be patient. You know, at the time when I started, I was always a high achiever. I always wanted to get the next goal, the next level. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, this idea of be patient, let things happen, put things into place. Also focus on effort and intent. 
net yeah. outcomes. So really focus on the way you're doing something rather than a means to an end. Um, I think this uh, be a role model, I think is something that I would, I would, you know, love to have understood earlier. Yeah. So um, what is the best piece of advice you have ever been given? Uh, lots of lots of advice uh, has has served me well. Um, I think I remember once on the basketball pitch being very aggressive about trying to win a game, um, being told by one of the opponents who was a friend of mine who said, "Remember after this game we're friends," and that sort of shook me a bit. And I was like, "Yeah, I'm a different person when I'm being aggressive and and want to win, and that's yeah. not helping me." You know, so that's one one part that sort of comes back when I have to remember who I am if I'm losing my sense of self sometimes uh, yeah. in a situation. Um, so that was very sort of um, interesting advice in, in a moment. I think another advice which I talk about when I'm coaching people when they have to deal with shareholders is, is me being very flustered because I couldn't get feedback from my board about some decisions I had to take as a CEO which were very important they were keeping me up at night. Yeah. And I remember meeting the chairman and saying, why don't you guys answer my emails? Or, well, you know, I've, I've been asking for your advice on something. And he said to me, he said, Nathan, he said, the best thing you can do as a CEO is assume that you have the responsibility to do it until someone tells you not to. Sort of, sort of ask for forgiveness rather than permission. <laughs> and that, I went, oh, that's a good way of looking at it. And I became much faster and much more agile yes. um, that way. So I think those two are ring. Those two come to mind sort of very quickly as you as you ask the question. <laughs> Excellent. So, what is your number one tip for anyone working in marketing right now? Uh, I think, you know, on a practical level, it's um, don't just simply use data to make to make decisions. You know, or to uh, to get a message across. So you know, we, we are overcome with, with data that is starting to shape the way that we sell stuff and that the way we make decisions about where we position our product mm -hmm. or how we get to our customer. Um, and I think that's losing a little bit of the humanity in, in, in the sector, in, in, in the marketing field. Um, sort of data-driven decisions, um, you know, can be, they lose the innuendo and they lose perhaps the, the human side of how people behave. Yeah. Um, I think the other part is um, people buy from people. So if you're using marketing to position yourself, whether you're selling something or a service or actually just selling a, a message or an idea, it's you need to have emotional intelligence. You need to have empathy to be able to connect. Yeah. And so for me, marketing is, is that. It's about connecting. Um, not from a top-down, I'm going to manipulate you or... or uh, influence you but to connect yeah so yeah I, I'd say those those probably and I'm looking at from you know the marketing companies I engage and how I would like them to get my message across yeah. or how I am influenced by marketing as a, as a consumer yeah and also because you have marketeers that work for you yeah yeah the tone of voice is incredibly important and in how you position yourself and I think that now companies are really starting to move forward to connect with people on that level and resonate with them ultimately mm. so that they understand so that a person will look at a company and say yeah they understand and you're absolutely right what you said comes out of my mouth all the time people sell to people not companies to people yeah. um, and that's what also uh, fosters retention and loyalty that's why people come back they go somewhere to buy something if it's cheap but that doesn't mean that's that's going to be retention that's mm. just costers of interest to them at that time Yes. So what do you miss most since the COVID-19 pandemic? Oh, clearly travel. Yeah. That's a yeah, very straightforward answer. Anywhere on the hit list first, when the borders all open up? Uh, I'd like to get back to London to meet my mum's side of the family. Um, I haven't seen them for ages. Uh, just being out there in the mountains on my bike, if I can get there. Um, Travelling with the family could be anywhere, you know, typically somewhere new, if possible. Yeah. Just not Malta <laughs> or Gozo or Camino, just <laughs> somewhere else. <laughs> oh, God. Now, this is a question that I have been dreading. 
because I haven't prepped for this. So is there anything you want to ask me? Um, why behind the fluff? Oh, why behind the fluff? Because when you work in marketing, it's quite hard to explain to people what exactly marketing is when you work in marketing. And uh, normally people think that marketing is really fluffy. And so um, it's a bit of an in-house joke with marketers. And so this is about taking the fluff away and looking behind the fluff. And actually, well, that's it, exactly. Okay, does it do a disservice to the marketing? The fluffy sort of... marketing? No, because it's all strategy. But um, I think that people just think that marketers are, sometimes they think they're there just to do emails. And actually, it's incredibly complex and it's interlaced throughout an organization in many ways. And like you talked about communication as well, that's incredibly important. Mm. So I just think sometimes people don't um, appreciate that. I often give an example, Nathan, of my poor mum. I, I say poor mum because I give her this example of when I used to work for British Standards Institution or the Royal Society of Chemistry and she would say to people, my daughter works for the Royal Society of Chemistry because she talks like that clearly or British Standards Institution. I know she'll probably watch this and be like, oh. Um, but when I would work for ProQuest, she'd be like, people would say, what does Louise do? Marketing, what does that mean? Don't know. <laughs> and I tried to, I tried to uh, give her a bit of an elevator pitch about, you know, marketing and strategy and stuff. But yeah, it didn't work. So I just, I just gave up and I, yeah. But it's, it's a bit like one of those things, you know, people talk about strategy, you know, as if it's some uh, magic wand, you know. I mean, is a plan with a deadline. <laughs> so I mean, it's like we over we overcomplicate things when we don't need to, just to yeah, sound important focus, or expensive. <laughs> yeah, we do strategy sessions, don't we, Nathan, with people, with our clients? Um, I think actually what it is, it's a focus for people. That's what's the most important thing about strategy. It's just an easy word to say, but yeah, it's it's focusing people and prioritizing them. So yeah, that's why behind the fluff. Um, Good point. So, so there we are. Um, so I'd like to say, Nathan, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. It has been absolutely brilliant. Or if I use someone else's favourite word, I can't say aubergine, but I will say awesome. It has been awesome. Um, so yeah, thank you so much for taking the time um, to join us. If people want to get in contact with you, how best would they do that? Um, LinkedIn is probably the easiest. Okay. So, so yeah, just find me there and connect. No problem. So we will include um, a, a link to any of anything that Nathan's um, talked about in terms of resources like books, etc. And also we'll link you through straight to Nathan's uh, face, um, Facebook. <laughs> Facebook's fine, but I'm... <laughs> not going to his Facebook page, you're going to his LinkedIn. Um, so yeah, thank you so much, Nathan. You're very welcome. It's good fun. <laughs>